Hi, I'm Alex Osola, and you're listening to the Science Line podcast. This is the sound of science. Knocking on the door, I was nervous. I don't usually get nervous in situations like these, but I knew I was about to get real personal real quick. In this fairly nondescript apartment in Chelsea, I was prepared to have an incredibly intimate experience with my own mind. I was there to try something called sensory deprivation, or restricted environment stimulation therapy. The concept is simple, yet potentially terrifying to some. You're naked in a bathtub of warm water in a room that's exactly your body temperature. The water is intensely purified and has a high concentration of Epsom salts, making it really dense, which allows you to float in a bath like you're in zero gravity. The lights go out and you're there, with nothing to see, taste, feel, smell, or hear. It's just you and your brain. I got interested in this about a year before, when a friend mentioned it to me as something he would like to try. Around that time, I had just gotten into yoga and had tried meditation, which I determined was really challenging, but not the right challenge for me. I was casually interested at best and probably a bit skeptical. Flotation, as the sensory deprivation is sometimes called, is analogous to meditation, but it's just much more intense. So I thought it might be interesting. But at the time, I was living in Vermont, and there weren't the facilities there for me to try it. So when I moved to New York a few months ago, I realized I finally had my chance. I made an appointment for a Tuesday afternoon to float for a full hour. The owner, Sam, gave me some fairly mysterious instructions to prepare. Don't eat anything heavy before coming. Don't consume caffeine several hours before. Don't shave your body in the preceding days. These suggestions made some sense, but I was even more intrigued after hearing them. The place I did flotation was actually in someone's apartment in Chelsea. The owner, Sam, let me in and showed me around. He showed me the tub where I would be floating, about six and a half feet by three feet. When he slid open the door, the hot air rolled into my face like hot breath, steaming up my glasses. His living room looked like the office of my literature professor in college. Thin rug on the floor, large windows, a desktop Mac. But the major difference was that one of the desks was a drawing table, and many of the framed pictures on the walls were Sam's own sketches of friends and celebrities. And instead of books about Proust and Kafka, books on Sam's wall-to-wall shelves were about meditation and religion. I sat down on the big leather couch in the living room, and Sam gave me a more extensive orientation. I would probably be uncomfortable at first because people who are new to flotation don't know how to hold their bodies in the zero-gravity conditions. Most people have a lot of tension in their upper shoulders, he said, so I should put my hands above my head if it's too uncomfortable. I took the initial shower, necessary to strip your body of impurities that will otherwise be pulled out by the bath water. I wrapped myself in a towel and walked across the hall to the flotation room. Leaving the towel on the appropriate hook, the nervousness that had subsided before returned with a vengeance. Getting into that tub was either going to lead me to a waste of an hour or a profoundly personal experience. There really wasn't anything in between. Then I was in. For a while, I struggled to get comfortable. Every tiny movement sent me careening from one side of the tub to the other. I heard my heart beating, my eyes blinking. I wrestled with my monkey mind, the barrage of inane thoughts in a restless mind.
I was frustrated and annoyed. But then, eventually, it was all still. I couldn't tell where the water ended and the air began. When you meditate, something interesting happens to your brain. In a normal wakeful state, your brain emits mostly beta waves. Those are necessary for you to do all the things you do every day, like have conscious thoughts and get things done, but they can also cause stress and anxiety. MRI scans taken while individuals meditated showed a marked decrease in beta waves with a substantial increase in theta waves, the same waves that your brain emits during light sleep, and have a much slower frequency than beta waves. The change in wave frequency happens most noticeably in the frontal and middle parts of the brain, which are responsible for reason, emotions, and sensory input. In one particular study done in Norway, experienced practitioners had those brainwave changes in just 20 minutes of meditation. The result, this feeling of wakeful, relaxed attention, can have a lot of positive effects on your brain, including reduced levels of stress and anxiety. The end of the hour crept up on me. Soft music started playing, which was my cue to start getting out. I then took another shower, this one just to wash the salt off my body. I put lots of conditioner in my hair because the salt had dried it out. I got dressed again, feeling calm and a little groggy, like I had just woken up from a long nap. But like a good journalist, I had a lot of questions. So I spoke with the owner of another flotation facility to get some perspective on what I had just experienced. Okay. Could you just uh, start by introducing yourself? Uh, my name is Dr. Jane Goldberg, and I am a psychoanalyst by day, but um, additionally, I own a holistic day spa on East 20th Street called La Casa Day Spa in New York City. When you immerse yourself in water, you're really, and when it's salt water, you're really going back to the intrauterine environment, which is the first environment that you experience. So um, it's a very profound experience because. You're, you're going back to your origins, you know. So do people get claustrophobic? Or are they afraid of getting claustrophobic? People are sometimes afraid of it, but when you walk in and you see it's really the size of a walk-in closet, nobody, we've never had anyone have a panic attack. The, the water is about 8 to 10 inches, but it's got 800 pounds of Epsom salts that's saturated in the water, so that makes you completely buoyant. Um, and the water is heated to skin temperature, so once you're relaxing and, and not feeling anxious about the fact that you're doing this for the first time, you begin to feel the effects of it. There's no nerve transmission from your skin to your brain because there's no differentiation between you and the water. Temperature-wise, you're the same. And so you begin to actually not know where your body begins and ends and where the water begins and ends. And you just it becomes a very kind of oneness union kind of experience. As a result of that, your brain changes. What happens in your brain when you're floating? Well, um, you get into a very relaxed state. Your brain, your left and right brain hemispheres are um, become completely aligned. Um, there's, there's a drop in blood pressure, the pulse rate is slowed, uh, the blood circulates more freely throughout the body, there's an increase in alpha and theta waves, in the brain, um, there's this symmetrical rhythm that's achieved throughout the whole cortex. Um, hormones, stress, fight-flight hormones are decreased. Um, pH levels are balanced. Electrolytes are balanced. 
and heavy metals are released from the body. So those are just some, I mean, there, I could give you a list of, you know, biological, biochemical, electrical, um, you know, on all energetic, on all levels that it's possible to have effects, floating does it. So what is the difference in that regard between a typical sitting meditation practice and flotation? Um, I think with meditation, you're usually, there's so many different kinds of meditation and you, you pick one that achieves the effect that you want. With uh, flotation, it, it can have, in a sense, it can have a dual effect. It can make you so relaxed that you become thoughtless or it can make you so focused that you can have what I would call supra-consciousness. And so people can have um, just immediate and intense impulses toward creativity. They can suddenly figure out a problem that they've been working on for weeks. And and I think it's sometimes unpredictable which it is, which direction it's going to go in for you. What is something that a someone who's never done it before always asks? I think most people want to know what effect it has, you know, what what it's going to do for them. And it's going to do a, a lot. Leaving my flotation session, I felt the way I did after a good yoga class, that my mind and body were realigned. Time moves at a different pace there, Coming back out onto the streets of Chelsea, I felt like someone had pushed the fast-forward button. At first, I felt like nothing was different, but I realized I couldn't really speak articulately about my experience for days. Here's what I told my friend Hannah just the day after. It was really, really intense. Um, It was... I don't think I'd do it again, at least not for a while. I don't know. I, I also don't feel like I can fully articulate what... I felt in that experience it's, it's a very personal thing and you can't you can't really describe that well to people who haven't done it like if someone's done it you can be like oh yeah you know you did this thing that's weird like you had that moment too but if you haven't done it it's a, it sounds dumb so I would recommend it to people who are into that if you're not into it it's no <laughs> In the end, I learned something profound about myself, and I did it on my first try. I still can't really talk about it that well, but I think that just speaks to the depth of my experience. I think my skeptical days are largely over. Thanks to Jane Goldberg and Hannah Newman for their contributions to this segment. Music by Lorenzos and Josh Woodward. To try flotation in New York City, check out La Casa de Spa or Blue Light Flotation. This podcast has been brought to you by ScienceLine.org. I'm Alex Osola. Thanks for listening.